Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. I hear your words, the tender tremble. Welcome everybody to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And I'm sitting here with my good friend and co-writer, Pat Picciarelli. Good evening, everybody. And the beauty and the brains of the show, Megan Horan. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. How are we doing? Doing fine. (laughs) We're doing really fine. (laughs) We have a lot of surprises for our, our guests in the next few weeks, fortunately. And thank them for all their participation and the reviews and we may be moving up. With that said, let's get to tonight's program. And uh, Pat found something very interesting that I, I want to share selfishly, not realizing that some people are still suffering from a childhood disease that I I shared. Okay. Uh, polio uh, reared its ugly head in the late 40s, early 50s. Johnny was a victim. Uh, those of you who uh, read the book are aware of that. Uh, they didn't have m- modern ventilators back then. Uh, of course, the t- technology has advanced over the years. But it has something called an iron lung, which uh, aided you in breathing if you had polio and it affected your breathing. The iron lung uh, was about seven feet long and cylindrical. I would say uh, circumference probably about four feet, four or five feet. This thing was huge. Yeah, I remember and, them. Uh, it it kept people alive, and the, the way it, it it worked is they were slid into this thing. You can probably find uh, pictures of it online, uh, with with people actually inserted in it. The people that had polio that couldn't breathe were inserted into it, and the only thing that was exposed was their head. Uh, they were on a cot. The body was on a cot on the inside. The head was resting on a pillow on the outside. And there was a collar around their neck to create a seal, uh, which would make the lungs work. Uh, as time went on, the vaccine uh, went into uh, experimental usage in 53. It was accepted in 1955. Uh, the disease in America is eradicated. Uh, around the world, last year there was 117 cases. So it's almost eradicated throughout the world. You know, it's so, interesting. I, I remember Rockefeller's daughter across the hall from where we I was in a ward. Then there was an award for all iron lungs. And Rockefeller's daughter was there. Did she survive? I, I don't know. Because I, I, then I left. Then I, I, when I left, she was still there. So. Okay, well, this, this uh, one woman, her name is um, Madeline, I believe, uh, from Oklahoma. She developed uh, polio in 1953 at the age of five, and she was one of these uh, iron lung uh, uh, people. She had a stain in iron lung. As time went on, uh, people improved. They were able to leave the iron lung and resume uh, as close to normal lives as, as you can, but without the lung, they could, they could breathe on their own. But not this woman. Uh, she's been uh, captive of that iron lung since 1953. She's in her wow. 60s. And while she doesn't have to be in it 24-7, she has to sleep in it every night to survive. So is it the original it. one? Do you no, know that? that's the problem. Herein lies the problem, which is why this uh, story, I, I hope, you know, we, we have thousands and thousands of listeners, perhaps can help. 
that these things break down. It's a machine like any other machine, but the part that they need now desperately are the collars that create the airlock that go around her neck, uh, that separate her, her head and their body and, and, and her body uh, from the machine. The, 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 the collar has to be airtight for this thing to work and allow her to breathe. They've replaced practically every other part in the iron lung to include the collars. The collars, each one lasts about three months. So you can imagine over the course of 55 years, uh, they've gone through a lot of collars. And the problem now is they're running out of collars. But that's, they, I mean, that should be the simplest part. It's made well, out it's of a not. rubber lung. That's it's amazing. Not. Apparently, they can't get any uh, 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 OEM collars that were uh, 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 original. They're in desperate need of collars. There's got to be somewhere in the world that uh, somebody has these collars somewhere. So uh, we're going to start the ball rolling here by appealing to our audience. I mean, what are the odds? But you never know. This is the internet. Does anybody know where they can get their hands on iron, kung, iron long collars? Say that three times. <laughs> the, the machine, it, there's just one machine. There's different. There are different models of this. So if you have collars, it'll fit this woman's iron lung, and she needs it to survive. So I, I imagine once they get down to the, or before they get down to the last collar, they're going to have to jerry-rig some new collars. But they haven't even thought of that yet. They're looking for collars. So they, they if, have, if any of our audience is listening to us, do they contact through our contacts, Megan? Yeah, contact us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on what? Yeah. How? Can you let our through audience... our through our contact form on our website, HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. You can direct to everyone, each of us doesn't matter, and then we'll see it. Oh, perfect. Or you can call our uh, our d dedicated phone line, also, and, and leave a message. That number is on on the website, also. Yes, uh, I get okay, calls all the time. If you have access to these things, or perhaps I mean, this doesn't have to be a uh, an ironclad. Yes, I know who has collars. But if you have some kind of a lead, some kind of an idea, maybe it would help, and we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, field all these. I don't imagine we're going to be getting a lot of them, if any. But you never know. Well, that's great. So, uh, we can we can help uh, we can help this poor woman. Well, obviously, it's uh, close to our life's mission or mine, anyway. Well, yeah, you you. I had no trouble breathing when you had polio? No, nothing. Thank God. No, my mine was all in my elasticity muscles on my left side of my body. It affected yeah, different saying, people different ways. Yeah, what they were saying also in this article that most people who got polio originally never even knew they had it. I didn't know I had it. Well, you you had symptoms of something. Most people that got polio were asymptomatic and never knew they had anything. Uh, that's something I didn't know. The only reason I knew immediately was that I, I, my, my bedroom was basically a converted closet and I had to get out of bed on the left side and I had no feeling on the left side of my leg. So I just fell on the floor. And my father, being as brilliant as he was, he said, give him aspirin for a couple of days, he'll be okay. <laughs> you know, I, this is a bad time to say this, but so what you're saying is at that time you came out of the closet. Yes, I came out of the closet then. Okay, good. That but I, I'm still didn't let the world know. <laughs> All right. Poor attempt at humor given the topic. But I, yes, I but... anyway, uh, you know. So if anybody can help, you know where we are. Please, that'd be great. 
All right. Well, tonight's one of my favorite shows. I love the mailbag, and we love that you keep contributing to it so that we're able to... Uh, I, I got one, actually. I, I got a, Really? A, yeah, which is very strange. I, I got one from uh, Julia and her friends wondering, where is La Cosa Mia by Gianni? <laughs> that is a hot topic right now. I know, but I have to apologize due to, thank God, all the news media knowing about the ships and everything being delayed. Our situation, we have samples and product stopped in customs coming out of Spain and Portugal. Nobody's figuring that yet. That's all backlogged now. So we're supposed to be up, as I said so many times, in by November 1st, so that's next week, so. Is, is the website up yet? No, that's what we're waiting for. We don't want to put the site up because you can't order anything. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, we had a teaser page up, but then, you know. But this this whole Christmas season is good. I saw an advertisement on Hasbro this morning. Some of the toys that were normally $19 are $50 now just because of shipping and handling and, and all the costs that are being added on. Sounds like the Cabbage Patch doll craze in the 80s. You remember that? Oh, my God, yeah. This was that a, was a big black market doll. Yeah, this was a stuffed doll. that There was really nothing to it, but it caught on. It went viral, even though that expression wasn't uh, in vogue back then. They were like 20 bucks. They were going for hundreds of dollars. The Trump mob was selling them. Yeah, figures. <laughs> no, the, the mob, no, they were. They were hijacking trucks with them. I know, yeah. But, yeah. You know, uh, 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 what do they call them? Cabbage, cabbage patch doll, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, uh, there was a guy that was that was caught, some uh, uh, mob guy, caught hijacking a truck full of them in, uh, in North Jersey. I have it in my book, Undercover Cop. Anyway, he, he referred to it as garbage patch dolls. <laughs> Well, he can't yeah. read. He's like me. Yeah. <laughs> Garbage. Anyway, yeah. Well, you know, that the only reason that was so expensive because it was a hot item. Now what we're dealing with here is lack of product. You can't yeah. get it. No. Well, I mean, there's, I can't believe they showed a graph this morning. There's 200,000 tankers in the water not being able to be unloaded. 2,000. 2,000, not 200,000. You sure it's 2,000? Yeah, there's a, there's a 600 outside of uh, Port LA, and there's uh, there's the rest of them are in Florida, New York. Yeah, 2,000. That's a lot of boats, man. Oh yeah, I thought. Well, they are. No. Uh, 2,000. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I was saying. 200,000. Oh, it's 80,000 drivers they're missing too. Okay, yeah. They have no drivers. They're, they're all at home listening to the Godfather podcast. They yeah, there you go. And get and getting their <laughs> stimulus checks. From hey. the Democrats. They don't want to work. <laughs> so, we have email. We do. Should we get into it? Please. Yeah. All right. First, I want to share a message from Mike. Mike says, good morning, everyone. I discovered your podcast about a month ago and have just finished listening to each episode, read the book, watched the movie, and I've ordered some of Patrick's other works. Gianni, I believe you to be as an accomplished, a natural raconteur as Mark Twain must have been and pat your writing style is as fluid compelling and enrapturing as tom clancy's 
Megan, enjoy every moment with these guys. Learn from them and don't be surprised if you find yourself involved in companies bigger than U.S. Steel. <laughs> from Whoa, Mike and Phoenix. I love this. this guy's very <laughs> eloquent. <laughs> he was. He used some big words in there. Yeah, he's using some quotes from movies we know. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, and, and don't worry. I will definitely take your advice. All right, next is from Catherine. Catherine says, Gianni, what is your favorite city in the world besides New York? City? Wow. Down to a city. Um, Going to Italy in his Positano, mind. probably. <laughs> Positano. Is that a city, isn't it? Positano? Uh, yeah. I, 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 I said you were going to Italy in your mind. I could see it. Oh, in your yeah. Eyes. Just Hello. within a split second, you I would be there. Tunnel, I, so, yeah. I mean, I ran there so many times just to relax. It's phenomenal. It looks gorgeous. That was definitely is one of the places I want to go so to. It's so sure. I will have you as, a, not me, not you and me. Don't let all listeners go on. <laughs> you will be my guest. With with Jacob, don't get anybody right. Else. Exactly. Strange ideas, please. Yeah, Shout leave out me, to Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be waiting here. Yeah. Forget about Pat. Nice. I favor silk and leather. Just just throw. That's a lot of it there. Yeah. Oh, oh my. Okay. Moving on. This is from Jen. Jen says, Patrick, what is your favorite gangster film of all time aside from The Godfather? similar line of questioning you know, I don't know if it's my favorite but the most recent is Lansky you recall a couple of weeks ago maybe a little longer somebody asked us what we thought of the movie Lansky Harvey Cartel yes. we hadn't seen it we know nothing about it so I searched and it's on uh, Amazon uh, Prime free it just uh, uh, got on Amazon Prime about two weeks ago I watched it uh, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, I heard about it. Did a very, very good job. I mean, he, he even looked a little like Lansky. You know, I mean, he's in his 80s now, but they made him up. Uh, you know, he had the little dog in it. But he basically recounts his life to someone who's writing a book about him. Oh, that's uh, great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I think the casting was pretty poor. Some of the gangsters, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the, the known names, Bonanno, Costello. They were much too young in this movie. But uh, Kaitel was very good. It's worth the price of admission, which is free, if you have uh, Amazon Prime. So that's not my favorite. I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, Carlito's Way I liked a lot with uh, uh, with Al Pacino. Did you see that, Gianni? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, no, I actually what, watched it with, with Pacino. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. He was very good in it, as he was good in everything. So uh, I, I would say Carlito's Way. I haven't seen it, but now that you told me, it's it's funny because I had a, a writer's meeting today with Nick Vallelongo and George Gallo, who uh, are basically writing a feature film for friends of mine in Russia who are putting up the money based on our book, Pat. We haven't had a chance to talk about it. But uh, they're writing right now, and I gave them that idea because of my ego I want to be sitting in a cafe or even in my house telling, looking into the cameras if you were sitting across from me on a table about my life story and do it all in flashbacks. 
Well, I tell you, the way they did it in, in Lansky, they actually had a writer uh, 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 go down and he gets involved in the story. The FBI tries to get information out of him. All that is fictitious. But it was something, it's the exact same thing you and I did. We right. talked about life. The, uh, obviously, everything that he talks about is done in flashback. Megan, and you hear you hear him putting this up in the movie all of a sudden? Yeah. Can you see Pat sitting across from me in the movie? <laughs> you know, I sure can. It's a good thing you thought of that. It never crossed my mind. <laughs> I love uh, it. You know, one thing about the uh, uh, Lansky, which was way out of left field, they had him involved in Murder Incorporated in the movie. Well, he okayed it. I know, but still, it was a little bit too much. Well, watch it. It's it's worth watching. Yeah. No, I, but, I mean, uh, I met yeah, him around that time. Yeah. That's how young I was, Jesus. But, uh, yeah, that's a good uh, premise for our, our movie, if there is one. That would be uh, a good thing to do. Yep. So, but we have George Gallo, who wrote for the people who don't know, and what missed when he was on the show, he uh, did Midnight Run, he did 29th Street, and obviously Nick Bellalongo did uh, The Green Book, and uh, so it, it should be fun. It'd be nice. Uh, have your agent call my agent. Maybe we can get together over lunch. Okay, perfect. All right. <laughs> next. Okay, next is from Mia. Mia says, Gianni, have you ever considered getting back into acting? What was the last performance you ever did on screen? Wow, good question. Um, big, big movie. I don't know if it was Seabiscuit or Family Man or one of those. I know that. It's one of those. Seabiscuit. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm so spoiled, fortunately, that I, um, and, and what, what I've been offered, I really didn't want to do. And a lot of it's ensemble cast and making me one of the, heavies or something I don't want to do that to me it's uh, I'll wait for what with what we're doing now and uh, you know and see what happens Seabiscuit mm. was 2003 and the family man was 2000 so you think Seabiscuit was the last one if that's the date yeah well, how about any given Sunday when was that oh no no you're right no any given Sunday was in the 90s yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah 99 yeah yeah, I would say that uh, that's that's correct. Then I knew it was one of them. It was fun. All right. How about would you consider doing it again? No, I mean what they're offering me. Uh, you know, I really don't. No, no, I don't. I mean, we got too much going on. I mean, Jesus, people don't realize what we have going on. <laughs> I do every day. <laughs> but it's 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 all good, and we'll wait for the next big one. Good plan. Yep. All right. Next is from Janelle. Janelle says, Johnny, what is your favorite restaurant in New York City at the moment? That's so difficult for me. At the exact moment, the only reason I go there, it's so airy. A friend of mine owns it, Mark, and it's called Avra. And it's got such meaning to me because it is the old Copacabana for East 60th Street, right off of 5th Avenue. It's got a beautiful outside garden. I mean, this guy really put a lot of money into it. And it's all Greek and seafood, so, and it's a block away. So I've, if you see me out at all, it would be there. You know, but uh, that's my favorite sit-down restaurant now. I'm very conscious it's a nice of place. what's going on. The, the food is great there, too. Oh, you've been? Oh, good. 
with you, remember? Oh, oh, yeah, that's right, I remember. You caused a whole ruckus. Everybody was coming to our table. I remember <laughs> wanted to know Not who for this me. young starlet was. <laughs> I don't know about that. You're the one with the with the good book and the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next is from Eric. Eric says, Gianni, what is your favorite memory from shooting The Godfather? Oh, my God, the whole thing. Imagine doing this at the age of 25. Came out when I was 26. And, uh, you know, to be on a set. And I, I was more impressed, basically, watching, you know, John Morley and Sterling Hayden and Marlon Brando and Richard Conti. I didn't even know who, you know, the young actors were. And uh, I'm reading a great book, though. Anybody wants to know the making of The Godfather. In fact, he'll be our guest in the next week or two because we're holding him for a, a big announcement. Mark Seal, that, you know, you know, take the cannolis, leave the gun. Or the other way around. The other the way gun. around. So I, I never said that line. That kid said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just ordered it today. Uh, it's uh, selling quite well on Amazon. It's such yeah, I'm a, a few, great... I'm a few chapters in. It's really good so far. But you know what's interesting for, for me? Because I didn't, you know, I was not behind the scenes. I was just egotistical at 25 as I am now. But so many of my friends really were very instrumental because and they were topics of our show. Sidney Korshak was the brains with Bobby Evans and Paramount and Charlie Bluedorn at that time. He was their counselor. So he, unbeknownst to me, said, make sure you use that kid. I mean, there were so many people that told them that. They must have been saying, who is this kid? <laughs> you know, in, in the, uh, the, the opening forward of uh, uh, take the, uh, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli, they mention our book. Uh, Mark Seal mentions our book. Yeah, I know. Yep. As, as one, uh, something he used for research material. Yeah, I know. He, he does. I was very excited when reading that. He was very mm-hmm. generous to us, even do, yeah, through yeah. it. Wait till you see going through it. There's actually a picture of me with the book. There's pictures. He put that picture in. There is, yeah. There's one of you um, and Talia Shire from behind the scenes. Right, yeah. Oh, you went online to see this stuff too? I bought the book. I'm reading oh, wow. it. I'm a few chapters in. It's, it's pretty good, isn't it? So I happened to flip through the, the photos. But yes, it is. I'm still in the in the beginning, you know, like you said, Charlie Blue Dorn and, and Mario Puzo and the beginnings of that, Rob Evans. So Well th- then you should be happy because you were you interviewed Mario Puzo's girlfriend and he did. she it, it only clarified what we said. He was so broke. And when he mentioned the Tropicana Hotel, I remember that scene. He owed us thirteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Oh man! And it's in that part. It's in the book, and somebody yeah. mysteriously paid it off. Mm. It's moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one is from Joseph. Joseph says, "Gianni, I recently found an interview you did on YouTube for the Arlene Herson show. It doesn't have a date, but she mentioned it was 20 years post The Godfather. Do you rem- remember doing that? No. Who is she? Where'd the show Let's air? See if I can. I have to see if I can find it. People put mysterious videos up on YouTube with no dates or oh, wow. where it aired or anything like that. They just unearth it from somewhere. So and what's the I'll have to find name? it. Arlene Herson. Herson? Yep. Don't know it. I was I was so popular back then, you know. 
I'll have to find I'll have to find it for you and, and send it to maybe jog your memory. Maybe you should watch it first, then see if I'd like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess I'll be the judge of that. Please bet that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next is from Leo, also about an interview. Leo says, Gianni, Valutainment with Patrick Bet David recently did an interview with Michael Franzese. Oh, please. And he made some comments about you, one being that he doubted his father ever even met you. What do you have to say about that? Well, Michael doesn't even know me, and all he does is say negative things. My closest, and one of my closest best friends is, like I mentioned his name, Tony Federici, he's known as Tough Tony, who... It was and is, they say, I don't know that, uh, an underboss of the Genovese family, but he owns one of the best restaurants in New York State, and it's Parkside. in Corona called Parkside. And if Michael knew where his father was dining every night, he would know that we were all together. And Michael made so many negative things about me. I don't even know this guy. He's about five years we just spoke about this, didn't we, Pat? He's younger than me. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, spot I, on. I saw an episode of his podcast where he uh, mentioned you, but in a, in a favorable light. Well, I heard pros and cons. Yeah, okay. I heard yeah. pros and cons. But anyway, hmm. so, and he said he was with Marilyn Monroe, so I'm saying, okay. So she yeah, um, Patrick, but David, I actually watched this interview. Patrick, but David grouped you and John Alight into the same question, kind of, do you know them? So maybe where that, where those answers went kind of negative when he were grouped with them. Oh yeah, I don't know him. I don't know him at all. He, he was going to Harvard, I think, while I was making The Godfather. Next <laughs> question. All right. Next is from Joseph. Interesting question. Joseph says, Gianni, what would be your last supper? I can't say it on the air. <laughs> no. Um, my last supper, I don't know, probably a gallon of wine. Supper, eating, okay, eating, eating. I don't know. What <laughs> I don't know. I don't even care about food anymore. I weigh 170 what? now. What do you mean? You're a gourmet. What are you kidding? You cook. You do all that stuff. You don't oh, care I know. I know. But I mean, you know, to me, it's, I'm so into health right now. And well, you still I, I, mean, gotta I, eat. I eat a lot of vegetables. I made, a, I made a great, just the other night, I made a vegetable lasagna. Instead of using pasta, I used eggplant. I dried it in a dryer and used it as, and made it just like with the ricotta cheese and all that. So but you, 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 you didn't use ground beef? No. Okay. I used, no, no, I used everything plant-based. Okay. I see a cook. Moving on. Next one is from Mark. Mark says, Gianni, was the kiss on Fredo from Michael scripted or did Pacino improv that? The whole script on Fredo, he thought Pacino <laughs> No, 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 the kiss. kiss. He says the kiss that he- Oh, when he grabbed him like that? Yeah. No, that's that was him. That was, uh, no, that was Coppola. No, they, they went through that. No, okay, they had that a was show. Scripted and rehearsed. And... Yeah, that was not a the cameraman and everything do that coverage and all. No, no, that was that was uh, that was intentional. Yeah, it was intense too. Yeah, very scary. 
because he knew what it meant. Okay, next is from Bruce. Bruce says, Gianni, did you ever meet Dandy Phil Castell? If so, any stories and was his death a suicide? Who is he? Let me do a quick search. Oh, Sounds like a dancer. Dan oh, Dandy, Dandy is, um, is in quotes. It's a nickname. Phil Castell. Okay, it doesn't say what it is. Castell in, came in, became involved in gambling and confidence games during the early 1900s and held interests in many of the city's gambling dens shortly before Prohibition. Oh, my God. Yeah, I knew. I met. I went to school with him in 1914. <laughs> How did uh, I know this guy? He, he died in 1962, found dead in his apartment from a gunshot wound to the head. His death was ruled a suicide. So trying to, this guy's trying to see if you have any oh, no. insight into that. Not at all. Unfortunately. American mobster, gambler, and longtime associate of the Genovese family. Well, oh. that that could be a reason he had a bullet in his head. <laughs> they, they, they well, there we it. go. There you go. All right. Well, then moving on. Next is from Tim from Newcastle, UK. Went to Times Square three years ago as part of my bucket list. Wonderful experience, however, not so much back in the 70s and 80s. Does Gianni or Patrick have any stories related to its shady past? Loving the shows. That, has, would, more, would, that has a lot of them. <laughs> just the opposite. I mean, uh, the, 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 the fun part was in the 70s. Now it's like Disneyland. No, but the 80s was terrible, though, wasn't it? Yeah, 70s 80s yeah i mean it was all the uh, porno and hookers and it was so it was so crowded on that street 42nd between broadway and 8 uh i was in a tactical patrol force they sent us down there to stop crime while i left there were 16 cops on either side of the street for a total of 32 cops and you couldn't see the cop next to you wow crowded it was well i remember the 80s i wouldn't nobody would even go near it the police across the street because you were looking across the street but if you had a problem uh you're on your own there was no radios back then i mean oh, unless wow. somebody... i even forgot about it, that it was every other i mean it was drugs and and prostitution and beatings muggings. it was wide open too yeah was... and the pimps it was like 200 pimps there yes ah uh, the good old days <laughs> All right, next is from Joe. Joe says, Gianni, I recently came across a video of Jimmy the Greek on Letterman's show before the controversial statements that got him kicked off TV. I remember the Greek as perhaps the most famous odds maker. Did you or your associates overlap with him? I, I knew Jimmy the Greek very well. He, he worked at Caesar's Palace, and he also was uh, influential at the Stardust, which he lost his job, you won't believe to who. Lefty Rosenthal, Lefty Rosenthal was a better odds maker than Jimmy the Greek. Is that wild that there hmm. are actually competition in those kind of guys? <laughs> yeah, Robert De Niro played the Lefty in Casino, for those of you who don't know. Right, yep. And he set up the first largest off-track betting and sports book in the world at the Stardust Hotel. And he was the odds maker. 
Yeah, Jimmy the Greek uh, was uh, big in his time. He was always on television, but he, he died in, in, in obscurity. Uh, he was broke and the usual fate of a, of a habitual gambler. Well, he started betting his own odds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Next one is from Tanyel. Tanyel says, Gianni, I'm a huge fan from Germany. I have a question. Could you post a tutorial of how you fold your pocket squares? I really love how yours always accompany your outfits. Greetings and all the best. Well, where are you? Come over and watch me iron them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, very, it's very easy. Just yeah. get the four tips of your pocket square and do one tip at a time, roll the other one into it. And that's it. This, the four points of the pocket square is what I expose. Most people tuck them in and make that little puff. So that's yeah. all it is, basically. That's that's easy. You just grab the center and jam it in your pocket. Yeah, like there's, most there's people no... like to do and run out. It yeah, takes me no about an hour and a half to get ready. I'm like uh, Dorian, <laughs> Dorian Gray getting ready. <laughs> and then somebody pulls out your pocket square and blows their nose, and that's the end of that. No, but see, that some people used to do that. So yeah. what I have now with... The, the use of technology, I put all my pocket squares in my pocket with Velcro. So they don't move. That's the problem with pocket squares. They move too much. They slide. They go down, yeah, they, they, go slide up, down. they go up, they go over. No, I, I people try to take them. And they, I was wearing Hermes scarves at the time. They were hundred something dollars a piece. Really, no, I, I always like to pull them. Uh, I, I, I jam toilet paper Kleenex in my pocket so they won't slide down. We know Otherwise, that about you. Yanking them up with. Well, you can always find toilet paper, you know. Well, the good news, if your nose runs, you got a cupboard. There you go. All right, next is from Seth. Seth says, Gianni, would you consider interviewing Tommy Gambino? He's retired now. He wouldn't even. I know him. In fact, we, we had pictures of him. He was at our book signing. He came for a minute. Remember that? Pat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a very respectful friend of mine, and that would be the last guy. He would never talk. He wouldn't forget about it. Talk about, he's old, old school. And he, he lives two blocks away from me. So, no, I would never interview him. He would never do the interview. All right, then. Next is from Sebastian. Sebastian says, Gianni, did you know Frank Ballesteri and John Cerrone? Don't I ever. Are you kidding me? Frank Ballesteri, I love him. Are you kidding? And Milwaukee guys. Are you kidding? I used John Cerrone to... too? Yeah. Major guys. Yeah. They used to be at the the Fista Hotel. And there was a restaurant next door called Mary's. Now, I spent a lot of time in Milwaukee. Well, <laughs> well, well, Milwaukee Phil, good nickname, Milwaukee Phil from Milwaukee. <laughs> Frankie, <laughs> Frankie, what are the odds somebody named Milwaukee Phil would come from Milwaukee? That's yeah. <laughs> no, I I love that town, man. I still I still go to the Fist every once in a while. I was there two years ago on a book signing. No, that they they were really stand up guys, man. Frankie B. Sebastian also asks, how about Sally De Laurentiis? Sally, no, I don't, I, I yes. know of him. I didn't. I, 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 he must have come later or before me. I was there a while, believe me, because uh, they were part of a drop-off once a month. Yeah, there's um, there are recent articles that call him the current boss of the Chicago outfit. Does that Sally? sound right? 
Sorry? Yeah. yeah, that's why. Yep. Okay. All right, then. Next is from Jim. Jim says, Pat, have you ever seen the documentary The 7-5? Oh, yeah. Uh, Timothy Dowd uh, was a police officer in the 7-5. He was called uh, the most corrupt cop in the NYPD. I guess the, they uh, never heard of the mafia cops. But that said, Dowd was a, uh, a, a, a patrolman rank in a radio car, extremely corrupt. He shook down everybody, stole drugs beat people up. He used to do lines of coke. And this is he, this is his own admission. He used to do lines of coke off the dashboard of a radio car. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he did a lot of time. Oh, he went uh, to jail. Oh, for he, you name a crime, he committed it. I mean, uh, and, and he was he was upfront about it. He said, I, I'm a corrupt cop. So anyway, how did he finally get caught? Uh, there was a, uh, uh, a lieutenant in the 7-5 we kept on going to IAD, it was IAD at the time, Internal Affairs Division, now it's the Internal Affairs Bureau, about Dowd. And uh, 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 IAD was afraid to do anything for fear it was going to blow up the police department. I mean, this guy was so corrupt, it was going to be another major scandal, and they left it alone. So this, he was the, uh, this lieutenant was the integrity control officer of the 7-5. I forgot his name, but he brought Dowd down. He wound up uh, getting him arrested, convicted. Timothy Dowd now has his own cigar company. <laughs> with the money he confiscated. I, I don't know if he bought anything with him, but uh, <laughs> somebody must have uh, backed him, and uh, he's been in, in the cigar business since he got out. He's been out for 10 years. What's it uh, called? I don't know. Uh, and, and if I knew, I wouldn't give him a plug. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All, right. All I know is he's selling cigars, his own. Uh, he's in the cigar business. Perfect. They, they uh, a documentary. How uh, old would he be now? Sixties, uh, maybe. Oh, that's all. Wow. Yeah, uh, he uh, he he did a, a, a documentary uh, about himself, and all he, all he talked about was his crimes. What a what a nasty guy he was. He was right up front. He never had excuses. He said I was a corrupt cop. He corrupted other cops. Well, can you imagine doing lines of coke off the dashboard of a police car? Didn't care in uniform. I couldn't imagine doing a line of coke. Period. Well, <laughs> I hate you. stuff going up my nose. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was he was bad bad news. But anyway, very good documentary. You could probably find it on Netflix, or definitely on YouTube. They save everything over there. Hmm. All right. Next is from Adrian. Adrian says, "What's your take on the accidental shooting which occurred on the set of Alec Baldwin's movie?" Has Gianni ever fired guns in one of his pictures? What are the legal issues involved? <laughs> have, have, <laughs> you should have saw Lepke. I was carrying a machine gun with me. 45 45s in the fan. Were they real or were they props? No, all props, all flatheads. Hot, we did hot loads when we had to shoot walls up and stuff like that. No, but I mean, that, that set, obviously, is, we're going to find a lot more about it because the prop master for arms. I don't know how they handed a gun to anybody with bullets in it because they hand you the gun, they make you familiar with the gun, shoot the gun, nothing in it, hear the click, realize the, the strength it takes to pull the trigger. Then they give you the loads and let everybody look at them and know that they're blank. So, well, they did. There was a story today in, in the Post, it was in the afternoon edition, uh, that 
that same day uh, in the crew's off time, they were doing target shooting with that gun with real ammo, and they forgot to unload it, and the prop master never checked, handed it to uh, uh, Alec Baldwin, who also never checked. You know, everybody is saying, uh, well, you know, it's an accident. He's a victim, too. No you way. Somebody's hand. They're obligated to check the gun. The guy who, the guy who's going <laughs> to, the fall guy on that, number one, he got shot, was the director. The director is in charge of everybody on that set. That's why he's called the director. Yeah. And that, but the thing is, I can't believe, and I've done a lot, I mean, go through my resume, Lepke, uh, Four Deuces. I mean, I made so many gangster movies. We had guns all the time, but those munitions, prop masters, they are federally licensed. Number one, they have to own all these guns. They have machine guns. They own everything. And they, I, some, I, I, I smell something there, but I read something also, I don't want to say anything, that the guy who was on that set was fired from another movie a year before yeah. for, for being delinquent. Yeah. Well, he, was, he was being careless. But the bottom line is here, you know, we know that somebody put the bullets in the gun. Apparently it was uh, part of the crew that was shooting targets earlier in the day. Automatic, gun safety. They teach you this in Gun 101, the first time you ever pick up a gun if you're a kid going hunting with your dad. Whoever hands you a gun, and if they say it's a cold gun, meaning it's unloaded, you don't take their word for no, it. That's right. Up the gun and you look. So while Alec Baldwin is going to be found liable civilly, he's got no choice. I mean, he killed somebody. Uh, will he be charged criminally? I tell you, there's a good case for him being reckless, and that's a crime. Uh, wow. I don't know if he's going to do it. You know, he, he could be on, 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 on the wrong end of the O.J. Simpson syndrome. They don't want to let any celebrities go anymore. I mean, okay. it come down on him hard. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he deserves it, but he didn't look in the gun, and he's liable for that. He should have. Don't I, trust I, him. anybody. Would, and I think you're right, but again, I don't know whether he's going to be tried. But I, I, thought, I, I don't know how many seniors today also. I can't be believe Donald Trump Jr. is selling T-shirts. The guns don't uh, kill people. Uh, Alec Baldwin does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. What kind of and idiot is he? And he's that? getting $45 a piece of them. Can't keep them on coming out. I mean, <laughs> talking about touche against his father. My God. Well, I mean, oh, that's my. really low life. Do you think it's a bit insensitive? I mean, what, what kind oh, of mind? stuff and then brags about it he's, he's i know sure. and he was and we had a picture today he was holding up the t-shirt yeah, i think yeah, it was in the new york post it's in the post people's yeah. lives they're talking about I know. <laughs> and that lady there was not one person in the world could say anything she was the most liked person on the set and she really our own producer worked with her i believe he posted some photos in her honor oh really yeah mm -hmm. now he uh no he i tell you right now that uh He's going to have a lot of sleepless nights. He's, he's a Pat, yeah. yeah. Pat, let me ask you this. In a different situation that didn't involve celebrities or a movie set and a gun accidentally went off, wouldn't that person be charged? The, the bottom line is in a chain of custody of guns, I train people to shoot, you know, combat shooting, self-defense. You never, ever, ever take a gun without looking in the gun Check to see it. if it's yep. Somebody can say, I just look, what are you looking for? You know how many times I've, I've gotten that response? 
nobody is going to tell me a gun is unloaded. Every gun is loaded. Okay. Right. No matter what it is. So. In the case, it's a revolver. You open it up, you look in the cylinders, count them if you have to. And a revolver you, is so much easier than an automatic. Yeah, you, you just don't take somebody's word for it. I mean, and, and you know, don't you think that Alec Baldwin is aware of that now? My God, I should have looked at, to see if it was unloaded. How do you live with something like that? I mean, well, that's you know, why it, I, I think that one shot of him at, when he was notified, I think, I, I, I mean, I was just interpreting it that he was vomiting upset. Yeah, that's what it looked like. It yeah. looked like to me, which I could understand. I he's can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, he's not a gun person. I mean, uh, I've, I've been around them all my life and I've been in situations where I had to use them. It's, and you get in, inured to it after a while, but it's still, you never ever forget it. And for somebody who doesn't have the mindset where you can take a human life, this guy is going to be in hell for the rest of his life. I'll tell you right Oh now. yeah, if he's never taken somebody down there. I, I mean, I mean, well, I'm not going to go there, but no, uh, <laughs> that's a different show. But uh, <laughs> no, he's he's going to have a problem with that. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Moving on, which can try to transition from that. Um, it's from Marion. Marion says, Gianni, have you resumed making personal appearances, appearances since COVID restrictions have lifted? I haven't been making many. The last one I did was at Niagara Falls, we fortunately sold out. And then we closed down the world. That was uh, February 7th in Canada for the uh, Mohegan Sun chain. And I have admit, I made a personal appearance at Resorts International two weeks ago. And I'm on my way, actually, this Friday. That now you're asking me, it sounds like I'm, I'm doing personal appearance, but I'm not. I'm on my way to Chiller in Philadelphia. And uh, no, where is it? Yeah, yeah, Philadelphia. The Chiller Convention is one like um, just for autographs. But I'm behind hmm. plexiglass. They offered me a big guarantee. It's the only reason why I'm going. And I, I, I have something that's very unique that most, most there's not even in this country yet. Some Russian friends gave it to me. And it's a purifier, and purifies all the air around me in three feet. I just lay it in front of me. Nothing wow. goes beyond this. Good. I'm glad you're taking precautions. Oh, I'm taking a lot. <laughs> Got to keep you around. Yeah. I don't want to go nowhere. Moving around. It's too much fun. <laughs> Good. Love that mindset. All right. I think we have time for one more. Next is from Herman. Herman says, Gianni and Patrick, what's your opinion of the future of the American Mafia, do you think they're being pushed aside by other groups? Well, we know that. I think they're being pushed aside by other groups and, and the federal government. Technology yeah. killing all crime, if I can use that term. I mean, yeah. you, you got to be so careful saying, doing, walking, talking, looking. Uh, Technology uh, today, forget it. the strength it used to have. No, I mean, it, I, the the, uh, the old school crime, uh, I'm, I'm not the old school crime, the old masters now have groomed a couple of young kids that will keep the family names that we know going, but it's not going to be what it used to be, never could be, because like Pat said, there's a, everybody has a camera. Yeah. <laughs> not just cops, anybody. It's true. So no, it's... it's uh... 
I, the mafia is never going away. They've been around 500 years, not going anywhere too soon. No. Uh, their strength has been drastically reduced, and uh, you know, it's uh, they got to take the good with the bad. Yep. Looking from their perspective. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is all I have for tonight, folks. Well, that's great. Well, we want to thank you all for sending the cards and letters and reviews. You're making our show very successful, fortunately, throughout the world. As you saw tonight, we had a request from the UK. We get them from all over, and we totally appreciate it. So tell everybody else that you know, listen to the show. We think it's entertaining. Obviously, you do, and we want to stay on forever. Okay. Be careful and do what you know to do that keeps you safe. Hey, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, guys. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around. Today's show is being sponsored by Cordelione Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Cordelione Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco Extra Virgin Olive Oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com. That's CorleoneFineItalian.com.